Welcome to V'ger Please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Peter. So, as we mentioned last week, this is going to be our last Voyager review for for a little bit. Um, we're going to be shifting over to doing episodes of Picard, since uh, it's an inescapable nostalgia trap that Peter and I are helpless before, like the uh, event horizon of a black hole. <laughs> uh, we know ourselves, we can't help ourselves, and I, I don't have the time to do two uh, shows <laughs> a week as far as uh, producing them. So we're going to stick to one, and we're going to do Picard, and then you know pick back up on our, our journey through the Delta Quadrant uh, afterwards. So I hope... The diehard Voyager fans out there are not too disappointed. We promise we'll come back, but please indulge us in our need to talk about, you know, current year Trek when it involves uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. I hope that this doesn't become a huge regret and that we don't <laughs> find ourselves saying, gee, gosh, I wish we were watching Star Trek Voyager. I too hope this doesn't become a regret, although I'm strongly suspecting it will. Are we going to um, do a, a pre Picard like here's the rules, here's how this is going to work, or should we do that now, or should we do it before we actually record? Oh, what do you mean? What are the rules? What do you have in mind? I think we need to go in with a cleansed palate. I need think we need to both forget anything that we've seen as far as advertisements go and try to just take this thing as a take it for what it is and not for our hopes or our fears we need to give it a fair shake no i intend to i'm not going in hoping it's bad in fact i'm going in hoping very much that my expectations are subverted and it's very good i have expressed on this show on multiple occasions with you and when we're not recording and just you know shooting the shit like how little faith i have in the creative vision of the people involved with this and how that worries me uh but you know what maybe it'll come together unexpectedly well and i'm i'm ready for it to be the good did you watch the short trek no i haven't uh, i gotta get around to that yeah man you got homework before we start this thing come on come on man i'm so so apprehensive I'm pulling the trigger on fucking CBS All Access, man. Like, they're out of line with their price. They want six bucks a month with ads or without ads is $10. And it's like, fuck you, man. Like, Netflix is what, 12? Yeah. All yeah, the it's... movies and good stuff on Netflix. And the, what is on CBS All Access other than Discovery and now Picard? I think the Twilight Zone, which was bad. Was it bad? Uh, apparently from from the people I know who watched it or like the first episode is uh, the best one and it's not very good. I'm like, oh, 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 OK. Can we like approach CBS and say, hey, listen, we need press passes or like, can you validate our subscriptions? <laughs> <laughs> or we could just live in Europe so that we could just use our fucking Amazon Prime subscription. Yeah, instead. What the fuck, man. Yeah, I'm a little envious of some of our fans who are like, oh, just you know, I got Prime, so we're, we're all good. I'm like, oh, yeah, it must be nice. Mm -hmm. How dare you have the audacity not to be nickel and dimed by mega corporations? Here in the United States, each TV show has its own separate subscription. It's I, I, I'm very that's resentful. A, that's a new thing. Yeah. That's a new thing, too. It used to be that basically everything was on Netflix. Some of it was on Amazon and that was it. But everybody kind of got you know, started to smell the money train and now NBC is going to have their own streaming and CBS already obviously does. And HBO got on, the, on that business, although it makes more sense for them since they have like a really specific branded material. Yeah, which uh, is also but, great. I mean, we've got an HBO Go subscription and I mean, everything on HBO is awesome, but not anything on CBS is awesome. And to charge fucking ten dollars unless you want ad supported, you know, the big picture on this was piracy in the U.S. got way out of control. Like nobody was buying anything. And then like Netflix and Spotify and, you know, a couple big companies like here's a really great technology. It makes it extremely easy and very attractive that for one price and under this beautiful AI, you can consume all the media that you would be pirating otherwise. And everybody just chilled out and quit doing it. And steam sales and everything else. 
And then all these motherfuckers got greedy and they're like, no, we're going to make our own platform. And they fragmented to the point where it's like, would it just be easier to go find a place to download this rather than it's almost harder to find out what streaming, what what services are currently hosting the media you want to watch than it would be just to go out and download it. And the the real the the hidden truth is that the 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 copyright organizations like the MPAA and that sort of thing they stopped trying to like sue people like they were back then mm-hmm. and uh it's they're no longer uh you know pro- prosecuting uh piracy the way they used to because it was so unprofitable for them to try and quell it that way so not only is now piracy more attractive than it's been in a decade it's also easier and carries far less consequences because you know everyone's got vpns now and it's just uh you know it's it's going to eventually i think bite them a little bit but not nearly as much as you think because uh normies stream you know, like it got into the mainstream so much it reached into people who wouldn't even know how to pirate something. And they're the ones that are going to be all in on this stuff Fair because enough. now there's these devices. You plug them in, you put in your credit card and you're done. Right. Yeah. It's it's really easy for them, and which is why they kind of gave up with the whole piracy thing, because now it doesn't cost them nearly as much sure. money. And we are not advocating piracy, by the way. Because that would be wrong. We're just saying you can probably do it and it would have no consequences. That's all. In the end, the only people really getting hurt are the cable companies. And I think that's just fine. You know, I think that's change we can believe in. And <laughs> speaking of things that we can believe in, what episode of Voyager did we watch this week, Peter? Season four, episode 23, Living Witness. Joe, you hyped the shit out of this thing and you've been hyping the shit out of this thing for quite some time. I believe to quote you. Uh, This is your all-time favorite episode of Voyager. That is correct. It absolutely is. When's the last time you watched this prior to uh, this viewing? I think I watched this just before I decided to ask you if you wanted to review Voyager. It's been pretty recent. So there was no like, oh, on second viewing, I've got different thoughts about this. This is certainly fresh in your mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I get a feeling you are going to disagree with me. Uh, that's a misplaced feeling, Joe. This <gasps> I I would have liked to watch this without your hype. I would have liked to watch this and just seen if it dawned on me like how good of an episode this was on my own. Um because certainly I had it under a microscope going in and it's a great all-round episode and in a very rare showing for Voyager, I am hard pressed to find anything to really criticize or question because the script was strong and the story they told allowed for a lot of rules to be bent and a lot of our normal harping uh, to not apply. I couldn't have said it better myself, my pedigree chum, that the, the way that they wrote this made it so that Any nitpicks. I think there's one nitpick you can have in the whole episode, and it's the conceit of why it is the doctor is involved. But I don't care because it's in service of a great story. You know, like, fine. okay, that's a thing, I guess. guess they had that at some point. Whatever. You know, the backup module for the doctor is what I'm referring to. Like, it's even called out in the memory alpha of this kind of seems to contradict all of their worries about uh, shipping a, a, bo- a message in a bottle when they send the doctor to the alpha quadrant and he encounters Andy Dick and they have high, high, wacky hijinks together. Um, you know, that if there's a backup module, why do they give a fuck? But um, I don't care. It's a great Trek episode. Uh, it allows Robert Picardo just to fucking kill it the whole way and we get to see what the crew would look like if they were uh nazi hitlers <laughs> hitler not super nazis we start off uh with janeway giving a little speech let me see if they got it here because it's it's a it's a nice warm-up for the whole episode uh hmm. wow they didn't even include that in memory alpha uh basically saying that you know uh, when diplomacy has run its course and fails, then war becomes the viable option. And we notice that there is a very harsh lighting to her ready room. She has taken a uncharacteristically firm 
body posture. And as she turns around, you see that something is certainly off about Catherine Janeway. Uh, gone is the ugly ass purple turtleneck I've criticized so many times. It's been replaced by a black turtleneck. She's got on some black leather strangler gloves and mm-hmm. uh, her normal, you know, her short haircut, which looked terrible when they first rolled it out, but I think has looked. We haven't talked about her hair in a while. That haircut she's been rocking, I think it subverts her her command aura and makes her look a little bit younger and more girly. Uh, but in this case, it's gone, and some sort of a dead animal seems to have crawled up and laid <laughs> on her head. And what I would later come on to describe as uh, hair like my gym teacher had. <laughs> the butch lesbian of your worst nightmares uh, type of hair haircut. Uh, it's like red from uh, Oranges and New Black came back in time and slapped her haircut on, you know, the past version of her actor. Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, if I was going to envision an evil Janeway, it would be with this haircut. Um, I mentioned before when you kind of reflected on how much you liked evil Janeway and vis-a-vis mm-hmm. like, oh, just you fucking wait. And man, like, oh, Kev, it, Kate Mulgrew is so in the zone playing this character as just this you know, mustache twirling, schadenfreude obsessed, uh, evil Janeway. It's she does it with far more ease than playing her actual character. Yeah, it's like being hammy and evil seems to have just been something of like, yeah, I can do that. That's cool. So in Visa V, she was much more flippant and irreverent. Right. Uh, and I really enjoyed that in this. She is. I mean, she's a space Nazi. She she is very, very authoritarian, uh, lawful evil. And she's talking to a guy whose name is what? I don't remember if they ever. Remember. It's Dalith. No, Dalith. Dalith. Yeah. And I will describe him as an alien that is essentially the embodiment of Ric Flair. He has orange skin and bright white hair, and he's like one away from (laughs) some sort of pro wrestling move. Uh, And what's going on is he is trying to negotiate with Voyager. He is using the location of a wormhole that can be stabilized in exchange if Voyager uses its superior technology to kick the shit out of his political enemy and capture the, uh, the enemy rival species president um and janeway ain't having it first and as we get in closer we notice that the gloves in the turtleneck aren't the only thing that's changed or and the dead animal on her head uh she does not have a com badge and she does not have any command insignia and i don't know anything about this episode at all so instantly the question is in my head is is this our dark mirror uh universe episode and you know are are we are we in Trek continuity, uh, dark universe, mere universe, or is this some something else? And I really enjoyed that. I wasn't able to pin it down immediately in the beginning. Uh, ultimately, Janeway agrees to uh, go along with the plan that she's going to take out this rival alien species leader. She goes out to the bridge. We see some things are very different. There's Kazon walking around in Starfleet mm-hmm. uniform. First, First time we see them in a long time. Feels like forever. That is that is very true. I cannot remember the last time we talked because it was a big deal when they brought it up. It was uh, it was someone else talking offhandedly about the Kazon. And again, I mean, Kazon were. Oh, it was deal. the Borg. It was Seven of Nine talking about how they the Borg thought the Kazon weren't worth uh, actually assimilating. Remember Racist the like ass motherfuckers. Mm, resistance is futile, but maybe you can just go <laughs> get Kent. Maybe I'll call you later. I'll hit you up on Facebook. Do you need an Uber to go home? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm a head out. <laughs> Your patchouli has no place in the collective. Uh, we've got uh, Neelix the Hedgehog in a uniform. And we've got some very severe uh, draconian lighting throughout the ship. And it looks... Oh, and we also have Chakotay rolling around too. Chakotay instead of his 
brushed back butthead haircut. He's got like his hair kind of brushed forward. It looks cool. And his tattoo has become like half his face. He's got some real pro wrestler vibes going on himself. And I think out of all the characters we see in this dark version of uh, Voyager, he ends up being my favorite. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, jumping ahead, like everybody is evil for the sake of being evil. And I feel like Chakotay's role in this dark version of the crew, he's still the reluctant, like, I didn't want to be here. These aren't really my ways. I've got the strong tie to my people. We don't have to, you know, I I don't want to torture you. You don't want to be tortured. I don't want to torture you. Just give me a peaceful way out of this. And I don't know, maybe he was lying in that little interrogation, but in my head canon, like, he knows this shit is wrong and this is not the Starfleet he wanted to be a part of, but he's still forced to be in it now and is kind of resisting in his own way. My only objection to your statement, Peter, is that you got his name wrong. You said Chakotay. What was he? What was his name? Oh, God, was it Chakotay? No, it was Chakotay. Yeah, it was this. It's the way that Kate Mulgrew constantly mispronounced his name in the first season on purpose and everyone did it i mean it's just like that's beautiful (laughs) like oh okay well you know what this is a good enough joke for all of us to be involved i like it i like it so the narrative rolls forward a little bit more and evil janeway who has agreed to get the leader of the enemy um alien species Uh, She's not going after him. She's just going right into like war atrocities. They get into orbit over uh, the planet of whoever the poor victimized aliens are. And she lays on Dalith, uh, Vaskin ambassador, that they're going to start deploying biogenic weapons, which are like hella illegal in the Federation. Yeah, it's it's like basically anthraxing them. Yeah. That they're going to start laying the stuff down on the surface. And we cut over to sickbay and we find out that uh, the biogenic weapons are going to be implemented using the doctor's uh, neural network. And we see some cabling going up into the back of the doctor's head, which has been opened up. And he's got circuitry in there, which seems real odd for a hologram because he's not really a hologram. Yeah, so the doctor is an android in this current reality state of being whatever you want to call it um you know everyone acts with a sinister edge you know there's everything has this sort of dark persona uh they start firing their their phaser uh biogenic weapons at the planet and we get a shot of voyager itself and it's got like a billion giant phaser cannons on it like it looks like a iowa class battleship looks you know like, giant guns on the side it looks like uh the trans warping energy enterprise from all good things when in the future enterprise comes out with that photo or the phaser cannon and blows a hole through those Feklar class Klingon destroyers. I want to roll back to the, the doctor because he is like a straight up soon type Android too, right? He's like a little more paler. He's got the gold Android eyes and he looks fucking sweet. And this is where I, you know, I, I continue to wonder, is this some sort of, dark mirror um, universe situation because next gen never really got a proper uh, mirror universe mirror universe. The closest we ever really got was yesterday's enterprise wherein the Federation had been entrenched in uh, (laughs) tying back to the star Trek triple X porn parody parody. Yeah, there you go. Where, where the available right now for all of our patrons on Patreon. Mm, Nice plug. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But, in that version, in that alternate timeline, Federation Klingon war had been going on and the Federation had become much more militant, calling the Enterprise the uh, warship Enterprise, uh, similar to as Janeway calls Voyager the warship Voyager. So uh, assume type Android. Now, in the uh, yesterday's Enterprise, the war with the Klingons had strained the Federation, lost they lost some colonies. And it wasn't this lovey-dovey peaceful society where people could just go off like Nunyan Soong did and, you know, crank out androids on the these far-reaching colonies. So there was no data in yesterday's Enterprise. So cut off the war with the Klingons making the Federation hard version of this. Wait, um, 
Wait, wait, wait. I thought there was. Hold on, hold on. Was Data in yesterday's Enterprise? I'm pretty sure he was. One second. You know what? I ah, th- oh, There was one version. I'm going to look like a big idiot now if he was not actually part of that. Oh, man. Such such intense research. Such intense Googlings. Yeah. Well, yeah, he was there. He was in the episode. All right, well, let's cut that out. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Shh. <laughs> Your embarrassment, embarrassment oh, must, must for me. I thought that there was one of the alternate timelines where they point out that Data did not exist because... Man, you you borfed that bad on a TNG factoid right before we watched Picard. Oh, that's rough. Yeah, that's so rough. How embarrassed do you feel well, right anyways, now? Do you feel really embarrassed? Uh, ten out, ten out of okay. ten. Would would not embarrass myself like that again. <laughs> so they finally pull the camera out after the weapons start getting fired, and we find out. You know, we get our first Inception bong. And we're not actually watching real events. We're not actually watching uh, the parallel mirror universe. Uh, We're watching a recreation of what apparently some people think is history. One of of these Kyrians is explaining to another group of people, some who are Kyrians, some are the Vaskins that we've just seen, that 700 years prior... The, quote, warship Voyager, end quote, uh, showed up and uh, apparently acted in this fashion. And so the entire episode to this date is happening at the furthest point forward in Trek history, 700 years from, you know, the 24th century. So we're talking about the early 3000s and is explaining a piece of their own history as they've interpreted it. Obviously, the way they've interpreted it is pretty fucking crazy um i do say though i did like in in the uh recreation how the ambassador mentioned that voyager's reputation had preceded them like the the next door file must be fucking huge right absolutely see these guys fucking coming know how to offer them shit that they want about going home you know to the alpha quadrant it's a great and interesting setup like this is a historical recreation and it sets the stage for i think our incredibly intriguing premise of you know how victimized groups use history in a political fashion it's something that we deal with even today and not just that the real genius of this episode is this is a this is like a ps a postscript to every other Voyager episode we've ever watched, because we always follow the crew as they show up someplace new, maybe kill someone, always get involved in some nonsense, and then eventually just peace out, right? And usually in the process, leave a huge mess behind in their wake. Oh, terrible mess. Just like last couple weeks when they like destroyed an entire civilization's capacity to survive because of the whole Omega directive thing. Yeah. I mean, even back to the the sexual assault rep- accusation one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys with the weapons where the guy gets murdered, essentially, for the fact that the one we didn't do a review on. Yeah. You know. <laughs> We can go. I can go backwards. Let's let's do it right now. Let's go back through the last couple episodes we've watched and pick out where did Voyager leave a mess behind. Uh, unforgettable was uh, the oh yeah, Chakotay falls in falls in love with the aliens that can't where yeah. they can't. So remember. she's got to go back and and face uh, the music for murdering somebody because she fell in love with Chakotay Omega Directive. Certainly, uh, Star Trek uh, porn parody. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not uh, so much visa, visa v that one they kind of helped fix so we'll give them a pass there uh the killing game part part one and two herojin uh, brought that on on, on themselves and, but the herojin brought it on voyager because the because uh prior uh to to that uh they wouldn't help them capture a member of species 8472 and also electrocuted that dude and destroyed their entire galaxy spanning relay super dick move yeah so 
you've got retrospect, obvious, prey, obvious, hunters, obvious, a message in the bottle, obvious. So that was all connected. Uh, then there's waking moments, which was the uh, the episode with the uh, the sleep aliens. That one they they did not actually cause for themselves, right? Like they they just kind of like wandered by the wrong part of space and these fucking dream vampires show up and yeah, cause them problems. They were that pretty heavily on victimized that. in that one. I, I'll give them a hard pass on that. Mortal coil. No concerning flight. God, no mention that. Fucking thing. <laughs> the only victims of concerning flight were us. Okay. <laughs> uh, random thoughts. That one was their fault. They went to the psychic planet with the angry, uh, you know, half Klingon that wants to like maintain murder everyone that they asked for it. You don't be a planet of super sensitive, limp-wristed sissies who can't take a negative thought in your presence and not have signs up all over the fucking placing. Do not come to our surface if you are a meanie head. Um, but anyways, it's like. 80% of Voyager episodes, Voyager makes a mess and then zips away and who the fuck knows what happens. Well, this is the episode where you find out that 700 after 700 years after Voyager uh, just stuck their dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> and they're still feeling the effects. They got museums. They've got cosplay recreations. <laughs> I mean, this is like this is like the equivalent of someone not liking your LARP character. So they've created an entirely new LARP organization in order to like role play killing your characters because you've traumatized them so completely. I know that sounds absolutely crazy and no one would actually ever do that, but this is the closest equivalent we have of that occurring in Star Trek for sure. And what's cool about this entire setup, as you said, um, people weaponizing uh, half half knowns, right? people manipulating facts to present an alternative um, narrative. I think this episode does a great job of really, really fleshing it out, really making you understand both sides of this conflict and really making it seem like a genuine mess and not just bullshit sci-fi. This guy's face is painted purple and this guy's face is painted orange and there's a problem like this really. Yeah, the yeah, I agree. I agree in the sense that the hate in this society feels a little bit more lived in than the shit we usually get. And I think it's because they used a lot of terminology and sort of like things that we can relate to. Uh, there was one point where one of the Vaskins like says how he has carrying friends. That was like, ooh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I felt that one. Mm. Uh, it's that that makes me understand what's happening really well. Just the use of that, the way that phrase was used, you know? Yeah. And and because of that, uh, you you kind of like get a, a feel for what's happening a little bit more intimately than you otherwise would, even though it's just like space aliens with weird shit on their foreheads versus aliens with Rick weird Flares. shit on their foreheads. <laughs> yeah. Versus Ric Flair's and the. The idea that this episode is about the victimized parties actually not being the victims is a bold choice, right? Big one. Like, like the, I think that's like the, my favorite part of the payoff of this episode is that the, you think that the episode is going to be, you know, a vindication of the victimized because that tends to be the safe thing to do. But instead it suggests that, you know, this is 700 years in the past. A lot has, has happened and history has been interpreted in such a fashion for political reasons, not in service to the truth. And that has consequences for societies, which is potent in 2020 when we are reviewing this and it was probably just as potent then. Um, but we'll get to that uh, for now. You know, see some of the background that Kyrian uh, curator named Quarren uh, is providing as far as their awareness of Voyager. And he's clearly just getting shit wrong, right? He's like in the ballpark of correct, but 
completely off on the details. We've already seen that visually with the recreation, but he's like, oh, there were 300 people on Voyager when we know it's close to half that, uh, that they assimilate other species and they have like board drone soldiers and Kazon and, and all this other stuff. Like, yeah, they encountered the Kazon, yeah, like Seven of Nine is there. And then you kind of see like, oh, this is 700 years in the future. Oh, there's been factual drift. And now they just, you know, they don't have as good information anymore. Yeah, there's breaks between the false narrative that this museum is portraying. Uh, and it's during one of those breaks where uh, the member of the Vaskin like calls this guy and is like, listen, this is bullshit. And I don't agree with how you guys are spinning this. And this is all horseshit. And Corrin's like, no, it's legit. And in fact, we've discovered some new evidence that's really going to lay this matter to rest because we found a artifact from Voyager that actually contains active data on it. And the dude lays out there, well, what are you going to do if that data contradicts what your narrative is? And it's it's a pretty cool place for them to plant this commercial break. But during, yeah, like you said, one of these uh, little vignettes, the good guys invade Warship Voyager and lock down the engineering area. And Janeway does like a token resistance effort to get some security teams in there. And I really love Tuvok's performance in this. Uh, well, Tuvok on, on two levels. One, uh, Tim Russ, like you said, this is his directorial debut and it's his one and only. And I think he really knocks it out of the park in this episode. And two, Tuvok in the episode uh, is very... <laughs> Their interpretation of Vulcans is, is way off, like Tuvok smiling. He's clearly a sadist. Uh, he's enjoying the orbital bombardment. But when they can't get the security teams into engineering to repel the Raiders, Jane is like, well, we tried. What choice do I have but to unleash the Borg? And she calls down to the alcove and it's seven of nine back in the full Borg regalia with three other drone flunkies. And boy, I can only imagine how excited Jerry Ryan must have been to find out that she had to put all that shit back on. <laughs> uh, Stevie said the exact same thing, by the way, when she saw that, like, oh, but that was a great fucking day. Read the call sheet and see you got to go in and get that stuff on you. Do you Yikes. think on a certain level, she's like, God, I don't want to put that on. But you know what? At least I'm not just going to be like a skin tight outfit Barbie doll for. Yeah, few I'm not going to be a piece of masturbation meat for a bunch of goddamn 90s neckbeards. Yeah, well, spare me that fate. So, but, you know, she sends in the Borg and they just go in and just club the fuck out of these guys. They just beat the hell out of them. <laughs> Dude, they're getting shanked in the neck and thrown around and like that big Borg like cyber arm like comes down and judo chops a guy. And they're just totally like these junkyard dogs ripping these guys apart. And uh, Seven's like, yeah, we got him subdued. What do you want to do? And she's like, well, you know, you did want to expand your assault force. Uh, go ahead and assimilate. I'm like, man, how fucking ice cold. <laughs> That's why I love it, man. Like everyone gets super into being the evil version of themselves. There's no hesitation no. from anybody. And I just, love they're just in it. I love that on the bridge, there's just security dudes chilling out with phaser rifles. And I was like, I know this is supposed to show that they're quote unquote evil. But all I'm seeing here is that like these guys are maybe not big dummies and they've learned that the bridge gets raided like once every other episode. Maybe having some armed guards around isn't the worst idea ever. I do like that the the use of Harry Kim is of being a hardcore interrogator that's just like putting a beating on some guy and then like has to be stopped from using of course the deadliest weapon of all a space pipe <laughs> i mean i i can't ever escape the i you know he's, he's gonna it's gonna hit him with the space pipe and the doctor's like no that'll cause too much damage you know what that's like we good. can't we can't have you go near him with a space pipe i'm gonna melt his brain instead with this hyperspray that that's is going way easier uh yeah literally melt the brain the doctor's so fucking ice cold in this i love him as an evil android i love him as an evil android even more than i loved him as a sociopath uh hologram it's the contacts i think that really sell me on it good observation on harry kim who is always the the young meek guy who pulls yeah. the one in a million um 
answer to the math problem out of his head. And in this, like you said, he's just a fucking hitter. Yep. That's it. He is Neelix a, is at a station in the bridge. <laughs> like he's a, he's the ops officer in this, like yeah. not the cook. And so, so uh, yeah, Kim is just a leg breaker just straight, just straight up a thug. <laughs> Love it. Whooping on a guy with his goddamn strangler gloves on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's great. Um, so the uh, board get in there. They wreck everybody's asshole. Janeway throws him to the dogs. And just to kind of like wrap up the narrative on this, um, the uh, this Dalith guy, the Baskin ambassador, the the Rick, the, the King Rick Flair, right? <clears throat> right. He's like, this shit's out of control. I did not sign up for cultural genocide. And this is again, this is interesting that like in this revisionist history, even though he was the instigating factor in bringing Voyager into the conflict, he quickly this narrative backs off of him being like a bad guy, right? He's like, I didn't sign up for this. This is genocide. This is too far. You crazy ass humans. Look at all the death you're causing. And Janeway is like laughing maniacally and twirling her mustache. And it's like, uh, you know, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Fuck these guys. We're going to get you what you want, whatever the cost, because we want this wormhole bad. And uh, you're asking, go wait in the brig until we have what we want. So they bring a couple of the survivors from this uh, raiding party. And like we just mentioned, it's Harry Kim. And this is a scene where Chakotay is like, listen, I don't want you to get hurt any more than we have to. Like, just give us the information. I'm a pacifist, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> He's doing his diplomacy thing. Uh, the doctor's like, let me melt his brain a little bit. And that does the trick. They find out where the leader guy is. They fly over. They call him up to the ship. Janeway's like, bend the knee. He's like, no, there's a little martyr moment. Uh, the Dalith guy kind of, I don't know if he pleads for his life or what. And Janeway ends up icing both uh, the, the, what will become the martyr and his aide in the back with a phaser rifle. And what was a very disappointing lack of special effects. If ever there was time to disintegrate someone, it would have been this scene. And instead they just roll their eyes up. And that's my real letdown moment of this entire episode, which should have been some gruesome ass Federation weaponry. They just roll their eyes backwards and fall forward. Like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they die very unspectacularly. Uh, this guy's named Tedrin and whatever Tedrin's home, uh, homie. But the, the point is this is where the simulation ends that Janeway personally, like executing people and everything you said about the, the, Vaskin guy like obviously having regret and all of this to like paint this picture this way uh and then they they talk about the the piece of data that was recovered like they cut to commercial we go back and Quarren is like in the simulation working on the the data module they recovered with period tools thinking that's the way to fix it and sure enough he starts to kind of get a heartbeat and notices there's a lot of data and then says, wait, no, that's more than a data. It's a program. Wait, is this an optotronic program? Is this a hologram? And then plugs it in to see what it is. And sure enough, a familiar face materializes in front of us. It is the doctor. And as he relates, this is the backup copy of him. Well, I already mentioned this is kind of stupid that they decided to have all of this drama in prior episodes about there not being a backup copy of the doctor. But you know what? Uh, you could just say that this episode happened before that, <laughs> right? This happened before, uh, you know, message in a bottle because we don't know when it happened in Voyager. Right? We, know all we know that, that it happened after Kess. It happened after seven of nine was on the, the ship and deborged. That's it. So, I, if, if you want, you could interpret this to say, oh, this happened before Message in a Bottle. And as a consequence, boy, Joe, uh, you're going real native here. They don't have a backup copy anymore when they send them to the Alpha Quadrant. There, we did it. We did it. We did it. We did it, Reddit. It we made it, we made it work. It does not feel good. No, I reject. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, whatever. It's a backup copy of the EMH. He shows up and he's like, what the fuck? Why am I in engineering? What the what the hell? Out of my mobile emitter. Oh no, it's those guys who keep fucking our shit up. Security, get in here. And to clarify on this, uh, the museum exhibit, one of the exhibits is basically just a big holodeck. So you can go in and walk around what they thought Voyager was. And, and it's using tools 
from the Voyager simulation that this guy is able to reactivate this. So it seems to suggest there's a lot of just like hollow emitters everywhere because he goes everywhere in the museum. Well, never has a mobile emitter. And they talk about how uh, AI has rights as people. So uh, on on the planet. So it's it's uh, they never go into it. It doesn't fucking matter. They don't need to. It it, it doesn't fucking matter. Building blocks there to fill in the story and it works. And that's look Star Trek. That's all I need. I don't need a super explanation. I just need two kind of things that make sense and I'll fill in all the gaps myself. That's all. That's all. My explanation's better than what's probably your bad explanation. <laughs> so this guy, uh, what's his name? Corrin. Is Corrin yes. anything special? He kind of looked like Loki from uh, Supernatural. Is it the same guy? I don't think so. I never watched Supernatural, though. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> Look I up. mean, I take it back. I watched like Supernatural in the first like five seasons. And then, you know, when when it should have ended, I also stopped watching it. Hey, I did, too. Well, he Loki was in those parts, but he's like, look, uh, this is a real big deal. Uh, you're going to fill in a lot of gaps here. Oh, and also you might be charged on war crimes because like you mentioned on my planet, um, AI has rights and they are also held accountable. And boy, do you have a lot to be accountable for? Did you see the simulation where you were a crazed robot beaming AIDS to the surface? <laughs> mm. Literally, you were shooting AIDS cannons at us out of your brain like this. It's like like you were part of the gathering of the juggalos, just shooting AIDS cannons all over the place. Um, doctor ain't having it. And if there's one thing the doctor is not good at, it is not being a bitch and escalating things. So <laughs> he really acts like a bitch and really escalates things to the point where he just gets himself turned off because he rejects everything. And I'm sure there's like a hundred better ways to approach this situation. Just to be woken up out of bed and find out that you are 700 years in the future, which what a terrifying premise in and of itself. And what a very real thing that could happen to any android or robot or computer program just to be turned off your dudes died and be turned off way in the future in some sort of crazy aeon flux episode and to the credit of the episode they do let him they let the doctor actually reflect on that a couple different times Mm -hmm. like they don't rush through it so much that the emh doesn't like say well shit like everyone i know is dead and i really hope they made it home you know, I, I don't I may never find out if whatever happened to them, like their grandchildren's grandchildren are fucking dead and I'm never going to see anyone ever again. Like they, they do give time to him to sort of explore that to a grieve. little bit, which which is nice. Um, and even at yeah, the he, very end, those feelings end up shaping, you know, his final fate, which I thought was cool. Uh but in this interjection, in his initial moments, things do not go very well between him and Corrin. Um, and right before Corrin turns him off, uh, he challenges him the same way the the patron of the museum did earlier. He said, you know, you you think you know what's going on here, but can you accept the fact that you might be wrong and the facts that I have aren't going to jive with your narrative. And that really strikes a chord with Corn, And that's when he just flips the off switch on him, which when you think about the fact that AI is supposed to be on equal footing with uh, regular people on this, like that's, that's a real shit move on Corn's end to just diss him like that. It's a perfect note though, because it's easy to say I will change my lifelong held opinions about things in the face of, information or evidence to the contrary it's easy to say that because that's what you're supposed to say right that's what a normal rational thinking person is expected to do that's the ideal but the reality is messy the reality we see every fucking day in the real world and this is a reflection of it is that is when your ideals are challenged particularly when they are challenged with evidence particularly when they're challenged with evidence that you know and that deep part of your soul that you can't deny that you can't self-deceive it's extremely uncomfortable and rarely if ever do people actually grasp the moment 
and reflect and say, yes, I will choose to change based on this information. Instead, what do they do? They defend. They double down. They triple down if they have to. They get angry. They get irrational because people don't actually want that. And that is I, I mean, I think I enjoyed watching this episode more today than I ever have before because of that, because that's become so resonant in society and resonant in culture now that people have have just, just drawn these lines where they are just incapable of recognizing or accepting things that they don't want to accept. And that's what we see there. I'm going to turn this information off. I'm going to turn the doctor off because I don't like what he's saying. I don't want to confront the truth that he represents. I would rather deny it. And of course, because this is Star Trek, because this is the best of all worlds, he comes back, he reflects, he says... I have to do this as much as it makes me feel uncomfortable because the truth is more important than how I feel. But that's what makes it idealistic. So the guy playing Korn, his name is Henry Wuronis. I'm sure I butchered that, but it's ironic because while we're sitting here talking about all this, it got me thinking back to the Dinosaur People episode when we're talking about Voyager having an impact before they just fly away. And ironically... Uh, this guy playing Korn also played for Gengen, which was the the star of the Dinosaur People episode, Distant Origin, who finds evidence that the Dinosaur People came from Earth and that Voyager is their link back. And that's the, the other big Voyager episode where it's like, this challenges our way of thinking. Voyager represents a a potentially dangerous truth. And it's interesting that he's kind of the focal point on both of those. Uh, he was also in the drum head, that Norris a T episode from TNG, but um, yeah, him hitting both corn and for Gengen. Uh, this guy's got himself in a niche, I think for Voyager. Good performance. Regardless. I, I agree. He, he had kind of like a, a line he had to, to, to absorb for this, you know, to kind of get into that uh, he did a good job of of, of doing. I, I appreciate his performance as well. Um, he turns the doctor back on. He says, OK, tell you what, how about you show me how this actually worked, you know, and the doctor is going to create his own holographic version of events so that he can explain what he saw what actually happened, right? Because the doctor, that's his thing. Like, I, I don't want to be involved in your bullshit problems about your society. I want to tell you what actually happened because I'm offended that you are essentially treating the memory of my my friends, my family, uh, like they're fucking supervillains. Hmm. It's atrocious. They're spitting in their graves, I think is what he says. There's a and, point uh, in the alternate history where uh... – Janeway's looking for ways to track down the enemy's leaders and there's just like a straight up fist fight in the ready or in the briefing room like uh, I think uh, uh, Paris gets on uh, Chakotay's case about how he's a shitty leader and then Neelix pops off gets called the hedgehog and then Chakotay beats Paris's ass and like it's just this brawl until Janeway pulls a phaser and blows up a wall display it's it's like one of those oh Remember the like supervillain things that you posted the other day that you made reference to? Yeah, yeah, the evil overlord stuff. It's like a that's like a classic evil overlord thing of like shooting something to get the attention of your henchmen or something. Mm -hmm. It's probably an evil overlord lord uh, rule about that, too. Uh, But ultimately, we start to see the doctor's simulation of what happened, which, of course, is what you would expect. Everyone's got their normal uniforms on. Uh, Janeway's hair has gone from, you know, uh, your nightmare gym teacher to normal youthful Bob. She is actually making uh, a little trade deal with uh, the the Ric Flair's. Uh, they are going to trade medical supplies for dilithium. And actually, the Ric Flair's sort of warned them to say, uh, let's make this deal quick because there's these carrion guys that we're kind of feuding with and they keep threatening they're going to start a war and I don't want you to get caught in the middle. So why don't we make this swap and you can get the fuck out of here because uh, this is a bad part of town. You don't want to be here. And Jane was like, fuck, I understand. Like, you're 
I understand you're rational people. I have to deal with it all the time, bud. Don't worry. Uh, but, of course, as if on cue, that's when the Carrions show up. They actually kill people in engineering. It's been a while like, since we've seen Federation deaths. Yeah, like three just three people in the background just getting murdered that day, which is which is something. That's like, you know, when in a ship with only like 150 people on it, they they take a loss like that. That's a that's a big hit to the uh, crew rotation. Luckily for Belana Torres, she's out on maternity leave or she could have been one of those three people. <laughs> Not seen in this episode at all. She's mentioned at length. Yeah. Uh they talk about her probably because they can't show her. Uh but this is when uh when Roxanne Dawson was on leave, having given birth to her daughter, um, who given the age of the uh, episode, of course, is I think old enough to drink now, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but they take seven of nine and a few others hostage that were down there. And we see that the raiding party is led by the, the sort of Martin Luther King slash Gandhi, of the uh, Carrion people, the same person that was executed earlier, uh, summarily so by Janeway, and that he's actually kind of a total douchebag that's, uh, you know, raiding Voyager for parts, murdering its crew members, and then taking people hostage. Not a peacemaker at all. No, and even in his idealized version, I thought this guy really came off as a douchebag because, like, as Voyager is bombarding the surface with biogenic weapons, this dude refuses to relent or whatever. And it's like this. Just bend the knee, man. Like, I don't I don't know what you're waiting for. And yeah, this other version of him is even worse. So what ends up really going down is they take hostages. They end up in the mess hall. Jamway rolls up there. Uh, seven and nine was their hostage, which was a bad move because she ends up busting a move, kicking some ass. And the King Ric Flair pulls out a pistol and zaps. What was his name? Tananid or something? Zaps the other guy I, I, for, and kills him. Ric Flair. <laughs> well, Ric Flair <laughs> kills the other guy. And Jane, King Ric yeah. Flair. And Janeway's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's I, I don't like this. But it happened anyway. She says, all right, get this all off my ship and we need to get the fuck out of here. And that's pretty much where they part ways. So we find out that this simulation isn't being watched by not just uh, the doctor and, uh, you know, his his new friend, Quarren, but also apparently the the Arbiter's Council, which is uh, uh, not an entirely balanced group. Uh, it's got one carrying on it and two uh, two Ric Flairs. Uh, the the carrion is like very angry that this is what the doctor is presenting and wants to kill him immediately. While the two Ric Flairs are like, uh, "Woo, no!" <laughs> and uh, we should we should find out more about what happened because if we've gotten it all wrong, because someone from that saw it is telling us that we've interpreted the information directly. That's worth exploring. And the doctor says, actually, uh, if I can get this tricorder working, I, I scanned uh, the, this, this whole situation. It'll tell you what, what happened. Are the odds? I just got to get it to turn what on. What are the odds that that was the exact tricorder used to scan that body? That's like, uh, you know, an assassin's rifle being left behind at the scene of the crime. It's just got to love those odds. But, uh, the, the local victimized aliens, like, no, this is bullshit. Uh, we finally have things starting to swing our way. We don't like this new truth. You're telling Corian, you're a fucking traitor. You fall. People should know better. You built this museum. You should know about this. And he's like, listen, my, uh, my mission was never a, a political agenda. It was the truth. And now we finally have the tools to start telling the actual truth and they're like well fuck you there's gonna be some shit that goes down and uh i want to say when we next pick up it's right about the same time that corn's having a heart to heart with a doctor and then he's talking about how much he misses his crew like you said there's a little scene in there about uh balana torres and just how she was giving roxanne dawson a real special shout out in her absence uh 
And the ship starts rocking. He's like, please tell me that this was uh, part of the simulation. He's like, no, I think we're being attacked for real. And there's like a, a, a torches and pitchfork mob that is attacking it. It's, it's the Ric Flair's, I believe. And they're pissed. And they just go through there with pipes and bats, just smash all the shit up real bad. They start throwing on photon grenades, whatever the fuck those are. <laughs> I, I, you know, they, they recognize, you know, for power when they see it. And they, they know the strongest uh, weapon uh, that they've inherited from all of this are, in fact, space pipes. And they go nuts in the place with it. And uh, it's, you know, it's a chaotic scene. They're, go, you know, they're, they're angry because, you know, all of this time they've been portrayed as this evil, villainous race. I mean, it's it's a little uncomfortable to make to comparison, but I think the 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 most direct one that you could say is this is a what if scenario. If uh, seven hundred years later, the history has shown like the Germans to be the the oppressed and the Jews to be the oppressors, and everyone finds out it was actually the other way around, <laughs> like uh, that would definitely like throw people's uh, equilibrium off, right? Like, what? Wait, what the fuck? We based our entire you know. Uh, social structure off the idea that you know we fucked you guys when when in actuality you fucked us that's not cool riots like that that makes sense (laughs) like there would be riots i don't understand why they're attacking the museum that's going to be proving uh i don't know because we only have one set peter (laughs) (laughs) and we've which we've got which does look strangely like a shopping mall and and a true return to voyager roots so they survive the attack and and we've got the doctor and Corn walking around and the doctor's like, listen, I didn't sign up for all this. Uh, I would really like to clear my own name, but I'm a medical hologram. Preservation of life comes first and foremost. Right now, I am bringing harm and death by my presence. Uh, my crew, you guys can say whatever you want about it because they are long dead and nothing that happens here has any real impact, presumably on my friends. So let's just... Let's just say I'm a liar. Let's just sweep this all under the carpet. You can destroy my program so the truth never gets out there. And we can go back to status quo and stop all of this violence in the streets. And Corrin's like, no, um, here's my hero speech. We need to fight for the truth. We need to do what's necessary uh, and all that jazz. And then finally wins over the doctor. He's like, all right, well, let's find that tricorder. And uh, we don't have to really watch the rest of how this unfolds. Instead, we find out that that that's our next inception moment. That was all wrong. That was all a scene in another museum, even further in the future. My, it's, my this is, we're, we're three layers deep in the dream, yeah. Peter. Uh, we find out that these two go on to fight the power. They get the truth out there and there is massive sweeping social reform. Uh, Voyager's name gets cleared and uh, the unrest dies down. And for all the for all the stress and um, and conflict, the two uh, societies come together in a closer way than ever possible before. It's a great Star Trek uh, idealistic ending. Like it's what Stevie says, like, oh, it ended. It ended like. You know, it's like a fairy tale for Star Trek. <laughs> like, this is the way we wish it would always work. The truth sets you free. It brings you to closer together. It's a shame it doesn't work this way as often as it should. But it's absolutely the way you would expect Trek to end an episode like this, where by confronting the truth and resolving the to, to move past, you know, the the use of the the facts, quote unquote, or or history to weaponize against someone else. We're just going to confront the truth together and, and then be able to move past it. Uh, we bring ourselves together. Uh, very idealistic, very cool message. Uh, and we also find out that uh, Corin died a few years later. He got to see, you know, the fruits of his labor and the unification of people. Uh, but the doctor actually stuck around for quite some time was the surgical chancellor of both races for many years, uh, but eventually decided to leave and get in a small uh, shuttle and head back to the Alpha Quadrant because he missed home. He couldn't get past wanting to go back there, even if everything he knew was long in the past. Um, 
which is a neat net, you know, note. I to think end it's cool on. that he uh, was in a society of true equality where he as a, you know, a, a, a medical appliance from a ship that had previously been the genocide craft um, and was able to to rise up to like the top echelons of their society. Like that's that's a really neat book. And then again, yeah, to get in a shuttlecraft and go on the long voyage home and see see what became of the Federation Voyager and uh, humanity as a whole. Really cool sci-fi episode. This is the furthest forward in the future of the Star Trek universe that I think we have ever been. Um, obviously, it doesn't touch on Earth or what happens in the Alpha Quadrant, short of the fact that there's not like sweeping Mass Effect style intergalactic community. Um what we can take away from this though, like maybe the only concrete fact we can say, if we were to count this as pure canon, right? Uh, with no questions. And again, you can do that because it's so far removed from anything else going on. Um, but you can say that 700 in the future, 700 years in the future, the board collective has still not taken everybody over. That's true. I mean, that is the, the implied message of this episode is that 700 years in the future, the galaxy is still intact, right? Like, you know, potential, uh, you know, galaxy encompassing uh, evildoers have not succeeded up mm-hmm. to this point, at least in this corner of the Delta Quadrant. Um, I think actually doesn't Discovery Season 2 end with Discovery going like 900 years in the future? How many years? Like 900 or well, something like that? Maybe. maybe. Maybe they'll go back and touch base with... Hey, there you go. They can interrupt. Uh, they can they can hook up with Backup Doctor. Maybe, maybe I would give a fuck about that. I mean, that would actually possibly get me to care slash watch. Nothing else possibly would. But then, like, showing up into the super future and then, like, encountering the Doctor. And the Doctor's like, hey, what the fuck happened? And then... You're Starfleet? I'm <laughs> like, Starfleet. What kind of uniforms are they? Oh, we're from 900 years ago. It's like, well, I'm from 700 years ago. That would be really... I would I would love to have a character on season three of Discovery I gave two shits about. Robert Picardo, please see if you can make this happen. That would be... Yeah, please you hook that go, up, buddy. We need you. You could we, fish Harry Kim's dead, lifeless body out of the vacuum of space where he got left on uh, Deathlock, and you could just have Harry Kim's corpse. Harry Kim, the most boring person in all of Voyager, and I would still probably enjoy them more than most of your Discovery characters currently active. I, yeah, that uh, CBS All Access I, pass is real appealing, let me tell you. <laughs> God, I'm just... Um... I'm just have this like bile in my mouth just thinking about discovery and it well, just makes me flush oh, it out oh, man oh, because oh. uh you're right this this is a great episode. I like that we were able to tell a what if story without it having to be a what if or a mirror universe or anything like that. Everything that happened here is perfectly feasible. Um it's cool to put the doctor in a miserable situation like this. It's neat to see again what happens to the messes that Voyager leaves in its wake before it warps away, never to be heard from again. And how are its impacts felt even, even with Janeway's best intentions fully known at this point that she wanted no part of this and they got the fuck out as soon as possible. It still became the scapegoat thing. Like it was, they've done a couple episodes similar to that in um, the Orville and I guess to a certain extent discovery too, but uh, it's cool to see the cause and effect there. And you had your best actors putting their best feet forward. And I'm always down for a mirror universe episode. So this was uh, this is really cool. I like this a lot. It is one of it is my favorite episode. I hands down, not one of it is my favorite. It was my favorite before because I just thought that the framing device of the episode was so unique. I loved all the campiness combined with like the earnestness combined with the lesson combined with uh, the Robert Picardo's performance that it really utilized Voyager's like predicament as a good plot device. And like you said, it shows the aftermath of their involvement in things. Even when they're not breaking the prime directive, they're still really influencing everything around them. And you never know what kind of impact that might have. And uh, I think I liked it more now just because the lesson of in transit, it being in, in, uh, Stubborn in the face of of facts that make you feel uncomfortable 
and uh, having to change the way you see the world uh, when reality doesn't line up the way you want it to. Um, that is some shit we should all keep in mind and something that this episode tries to teach us. So it's a nice note to leave on. We won't talk about what episode we're going to watch next time because we don't know much about it. It's the first episode of Picard. Uh, we're, we're, we're hype and also terrified. And we will see you next week with our review. <laughs>